Hey, it's Mike from Realistic Sustainability. Ads? Ads are an important part of the show. They help keep us going. We hate things like paywall or pay to listen or separating certain kinds of content from our existing content. To be honest, we like to keep it all available. It's sustainability. It's information. We like to keep it all free. To do that, well, we've allowed ads. Some are partners. Some are through Spotify. We have listener donations. Those help a ton. And if we had enough of those, we wouldn't even allow commercials. Or we even do things like the product reviews, where if you buy something on a link through the site, well, we get a few cents for it. And for those of you who are already starting to do that, thanks. We've added my favorite books and some of the documentaries I recommend. If you buy some of those, Realistic Sustainability gets a little bit back. So don't do it just to do it. But if you really want to and you were going to anyways, use the link. But anyways, what you may not know is Anchor, the hosting site that we used, was bought by Spotify. And they've decided that Realistic Sustainability has a large enough fan base to receive ads. One thing I don't like is they want it in the middle of the show. Yeah, I don't really like that. I'm kind of a consumer of podcast, and it bugs me when you stop the flow of a show and throw an ad in the middle. Now, not to say that it will never happen, but as of right now, we've kind of found a way around it. Since we're already helping other podcasts like The Curated Culture, and if you're not checking it out, you should. Rob Bogan is still awesome. It allows a gap in the show because Spotify doesn't know that that's an ad in the beginning, that we're working with a partner. So what you're going to see is two different ways. One, in the front of the show, there's a partner ad or this PSA. Then the Spotify. Then the show. The whole show. It's the best way I can find so far to keep the whole show together. And again, at some point, they may catch us and they may make us fix it. But for now, I just wanted to let you know, we, we kind of need to do the ads, mainly to keep the show going. But also, I don't want to tear up the show by putting things in the middle. So right now, this is the way we're handling it. So as always, I appreciate all of you for listening. I appreciate your patience and for many of you, your generosity. And we will always do the best we can to offer the best show and do what we can to minimize the interruptions. Thank you. And, um, well, I guess enjoy their advertisement, then our show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm not here with Nick. Yep, Nick is busy again, of course, but he will be back very, very soon. He said, make sure people don't forget about him. He is ready to come back for this season, and it, and will be back on the next show. But today, I get the luxury of a Mr. Rob Bogan. Hey, luxury. I'm blushing. You, can, you will never tell, but I'm blushing. <laughs> And this is because we had a topic that you found pretty darn interesting. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, uh, as, as soon as I read about the breakthrough, you were one of the first people that I thought of. And then the second person that I thought of was one Mr. Tony Stark and his father, Howard Stark, because of the type of technology or breakthrough or energy that we're going to be talking about today. So I'm I would, excited. 
I would love to be on that short list, fictional or not. I that's uh that's a list that my name I would just love to see. It just you know Tony Stark, Michael Nazari, and so on and so forth. But this week, since we always in sustainability worry about energy because energy is the true currency of this planet. That's why when something like this fusion breakthrough and yes, by the way, this week we're talking about free energy. Sounds funny because it's kind of supposed to be impossible, but fusion energy, not nuclear energy in the sense that you're used to, which is fission. This is fusion. This is what stars do. This is what our sun does and how we bask in in this massive amount of energy that just gets thrown at our planet. And because it is the true currency of the planet, this is one of those things on, on the side of sustainability that is important. Energy can make or break sustainability factors. And that's why this is a topic that we got we got to touch on. I'm definitely excited to talk about it, uh, largely because I'm a nerd, A, and B, (laughs) because this this is one of those things that, you know, despite the fact that we're still a ways out from actually being usable or implementable. It is still exciting for all of our gadgets, all of our devices, our entire energy structure as a whole could change as a result of this. Yeah, it really could. Now, you're going to hear people saying, oh, the elites will keep it away from us and all this wonderful stuff. But it's not necessarily that. It's going to be a minute before it's usable. So before we really go into it, just understand that this is a breakthrough of something that has never been done before, which is less energy in than what came out is really that holy grail result and that we didn't capture it during this. This is just simply measurements. So there's still years and years of development. There's going to be years and years of testing, learning how to capture these electrons, all this kind of stuff. But they've done what many thought couldn't be done. And that's why we're touching on it today. So in mid-December, it was announced that the Lawrence Liverpool National Laboratory, the research there, were able to create fusion ignition. So just a really quick synopsis, I guess, of (laughs) what this is. This is just taking two elements, creating enough heat and enough pressure, like a sun, to get them to turn into another element. So usually it's hydrogen and helium taking two hydrogen atoms and pushing them really, really close together and ending up with helium. And I'm very much simplifying this because there's different versions of each atom and only specific ones work. But to simplify this, we just shove them together. We create a tremendous amount of heat. It goes into a plasma state, which is an energy liquid-like state. And when they do that, they release an electron. There's an extra electron between the two atoms, and it releases it. The concept is if we're able to create helium in that manner and we're able to put less energy in than it takes for the fusion and ignition to happen, then we get a release of these free electrons. And if you get enough free electrons, we can power things. And that is how the sun has powered this (laughs) solar system now for, you know, millions of years. So that's the really high level basic scope of what we're talking about we want to see this and i've jokingly call it free energy because there is no such thing but free energy to us it's like that new car isn't new it's new to you but (laughs) those kind of those used cars i mean (laughs) 
but that's what we're looking at today. Yeah, I first off, thank you for that, because that is what I always worry about when I try to explain this to, you know, friends, families, coworkers, whatever, because people come to me as if I'm like the smart guy. And I'm like, no, I can I can only relate this to you in comic book terms. So here's what happened. (laughs) Tony Stark was kidnapped. He was stuck in a cave. (laughs) He needed something to power a suit. Back in the day, his dad had worked on this technology, but could never perfect it. But guess who did? And uh, that's that's what I that's what I usually uh, use to relate it. So I appreciate the uh, the layman's term explanation for sure. And there's um, there's a quote, you know, that that kind of goes along with the, the arc reactor or the creation of that. You know, hey, you, you've successfully harnessed the power of the sun. And, and I think although that's a little, I guess, in, in my understanding, a little extreme, it is also moderately accurate in terms of the long-term capability of this type of energy. The the implications that come from this, and I'm not sure everybody generally knows the scientific excitement that is out there for this. This is clean energy. This is clean nuclear energy. Now, as we go into this, there's was a tritium, which we only have very small amounts on this planet that can be toxic and i guarantee you the moment this stuff starts to roll out you're going to see as you know people out there pushing that this can be toxic once used but they only use a gram or two in the process for this fusion and it dilutes at such a it's such a minute amount it doesn't create a toxin to the rest of us so this does function as a clean energy we're just utilizing nature and kind of controlling some of those things that happen in the universe for our own for our own you know it's our own advantage our own why are my words leaving uh, <laughs> benefit benefit, benefit. <laughs> See, and nick tells me when i do that kind of stuff to not cut it out because he finds it hilarious so yeah, maybe yeah. that maybe that will have to stay but yeah because anyways you're usually so direct and poignant with your words it's like what what, what? <laughs> benefit is the one that caught you up yeah you're explaining a an energy breakthrough and benefit is the word yeah <laughs> yes that is welcome to me that's awesome oh um, it's fantastic but this has never been done before yeah. It has been a theory for at least 60 years, if not longer. They have been trying and trying, and they've been able to, in a lab, create fusion or, or what they call micro stars, which I think is just an attempt to be really cool in science, but it's really just, yeah, it's that, uh, that fusion. Uh-huh. But they always put more energy in to get it done. That's why this is such a breakthrough, because as you would say, your arc reactor is this reaction that offers more energy than what it uh, has for inputs and we're not creating energy we're not breaking any kind of laws here of physics it's just that this interaction rejects an electron and we get to take that and throw it through some copper and use it for some light so it does not take a ton if we can get this reaction to happen with very little energy then we get a ton out of it and we, we're done with fossil fuels. We're done with photovoltaic cells. We're done with wind turbines. This becomes the main source of all energy. No more fission, no more nuclear waste. That's why people are so excited about it. As, as they should be. And um, 
again, we both know that this is going to take, you know, a decade minimum, but potentially several decades before it is something that is actually widely available for use. But with that being said, I, I would imagine those people in those industries, specifically fossil fuels, are going to try to find ways to say that, hey, this this really isn't the thing. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be trying to depend on this. In in your mind, in your brain, are, are there any reasons why once this breakthrough is available to everybody, is there any reason why we would still need to depend on fossil fuels? Well, you're talking way into the future, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, some reasons like scalability. Will this work only for larger systems because the engine itself is too physically large? Or will it be only functional for smaller units? You know. You, we're we're going to call it an arc reactor for our own entertainment purposes because I'm an Iron Man nerd too, as you can see behind me somewhere. Yes. But it's, it's going to be really, really hard to put in your handsaw. So packaging is going to matter. And that's why over the next 20 years, you're still going to see a wide, diverse portfolio of energy sources. We're still going to have some kind of oil and fossil fuel. Even when all this stuff is said and done, there'll always be a little bit somewhere. Then there's going to be the solar power, the wind power, the tidal. I'm going to do a short or a show here coming up on the, was it the wave line magnet that goes through and uses waves as the kinetic energy that produces or converts over to usable energy. You're going to have these pieces because it's going to be a long time. And we have to continue to develop new technologies because if we don't, it's kind of like throwing all your eggs in one basket. What if it doesn't really produce a lot, but it takes a lot of a large footprint and a lot of space to produce? Well, that's not going to work in your Hyundai. So that's what, another part of this conversation is doesn't mean we're done. Mm -hmm. It means that we've made a breakthrough. Something in physics that people question was even possible is possible. But is it scalable and can we collect it? So that's what's going to happen for the next 10 to 20 years while we continue to improve the technologies that we are already trying to master. Gotcha. So with, with that being said, and I know you're not full-blown expert on these things, but what would you say would be immediate short-term uses for this type of technology? And then on that back end, what would be higher end? long-term usage for it well and keep in mind that there is a fuel problem we have the uh was it teridium but teridium is there's only very small quantities on the planet at all now there's a lot on the moon so if you all of a sudden start seeing lots of countries going and starting moon programs understand it's not for your wonderment it's for tritium <laughs> okay <laughs> this this isotope is what is what is going to be needed for that fuel and whoever has it controls that fuel so when all of a sudden all these countries start going hey we're going to have a we're also going to have a moon program understand that it's not just for basic exploration got it that is before that that commodity or will be commodity at some point mm -hmm. this stuff will be designed as the flexible energy for grid management when I talk about building a, a more robust electrical grid system, I talk about that 
it's easy to get the first 80% of the energy you need. You can do it with solar and wind and hydro and tidal and all these other options. Mm -hmm. It's that other 20% that fluctuates because none of those ones that we have are fully consistent. So they're going to move up and down. So we have to have one source. You can turn the dial up and turn the dial down. I, up to this point, have always said hydrogen fuel because I'm a huge fan of integrating it into the, to the water supply, into the electrical grid, and have desalination to help reduce the amount of water in the oceans. Gives us salt, gives us water to use electrolysis on so we can separate the oxygen from the hydrogen and then use that hydrogen through the callus back to the oxygen. It just, the byproduct is water that goes into our purified water into our water supply. That has always been the system I have in my head that keeps it clean. Now, having something that can produce large-scale energy that can be turned up and down like that, be able to control this process kind of eliminates the need for my hydrogen fuel middle ground. Because what I want to replace is nuclear fission. Right. The waste is too bad. The what-ifs are too big. And 99% of well, Congress, when you ask them, what are you going to do with waste, they want to shoot it into space. And you think nuclear waste is bad when it when you have a meltdown blow up a rocket in our atmosphere with it yeah that doesn't seem like a feasible solution at all like who it thought isn't. of that it <laughs> like isn't. who who thought of that that is well it's away so remember we always talk about the trash can being the away space where there's no concept of where it goes sure more powerful people have a further away a more expensive away well we'll just knock it off the planet and it'd be fine no, it won't, because all it takes is one failed rocket. And in case anybody's paying attention, that still happens. Mm -hmm. You know, controlled explosions can be unpredictable. Uh, matter of fact, I believe Elon Musk has a term for it. It's a RUD, a rapid, unexpected disassembly. Okay. So uh, nuclear as fission is going to start becoming easily obsolete, which is good for all of us. But there's still going to be kind of a game to see how we're going to balance all of these energies for the future in our lifetime. As our kids age, hopefully this technology becomes so advanced that we only need one mm -hmm. and that it's controlled and safe. Now, they someday they may be running around uh, looking for their fuel sources if they mine the moon and, you know, hundreds and hundreds or thousands of years star trek era need something else but really this is what i this is all the stuff that bounces around my head the moment i read one of these articles so, <laughs> it's very exciting to me yeah here's here's a question for you because i, I, I want to bounce back to something you just said a, a little bit ago about you know we start seeing all these moon missions and things like that once once this becomes ready or widely available for for use is that something that, that we could see sort of something like an energy arms race basically to where every major developed nation in the world is going to be like hey we need to implement this right now well humans are stupid we love to say that we are the most advanced creatures on this planet but we're the only ones who work to live here so i'm not <laughs> sure how smart it is but when it comes to this kind of stuff, I guarantee it. The egos of the imaginary lines in our land tend to lead to that. And it's going to be up to most of us to stop them from sending our kids to fight about it. 
you know, this is something that this is the end of the fight for energy. If science can take this fuel, this should be the end of cost for energy. This should be the end of the need to reduce because of blackouts. This should stop the fact that there's places on this planet that don't have energy. Places in Africa and in East Asia where it's still off the grid, if you will. This ends all of that. So there's going to be some social conflict with A, who controls it, or B, should it be free because we still have that ignorance part of our mind that just can't let go of the, er the late 1800s, that everybody must work to the, to the bone for the most simplified things like food or shelter or water. So that's going to take generational change. Hopefully, there's not a lot of those people left. And when Congress or these, old, these, these people trapped in the past start stepping up to say silly things, the rest of us say no. That's unacceptable. And that's how culture will have to change. But this is a huge step in sustainability because it eliminates the fight, it eliminates the argument, and it eliminates the need to change our energy habits. People can live the life they want without worrying about it if this technology pans out the way it looks like it could someday. Was I being too optimistic and too pie in the sky? <laughs> uh, initially, yeah, but then we just got super dark there for a second. <laughs> well, but okay, no, so there's I, there's reality in leadership. Okay, so I use the word leadership very loosely. We have politicians where, where leaders are supposed to sit. Uh -huh. And when you have politicians in seats where they're supposed to be leaders, there's a power struggle. These are a lot of old, insecure people who require validation. Mm -hmm. It's not like you or I, where we're just trying to help. These people have their own agendas. So the only way to curb their appetite is through mass voice. Okay. Or vote leaders in. That's really the other way. Okay. I, when, when I hear you talk, and I apologize from going from serious back to comic book world, but it's like the, the conflict, and I hate to bring it here because this is a lot of times, you know, art imitating life, but the sole crux of the conflict between Tony Stark and, you know, his, his main right hand, his initial main right hand man, Obadiah Stane was just that like Tony Stark initially, you know, helped develop this really tremendous technology in the arc reactor. And, he kind of had that foresight to see that, hey, this could be really dangerous if it, you know, falls into the wrong hand. And Obadiah wanted to use it to make weapons. And oh, he didn't. He wanted to use it to make wealth. Weapons was the was the vehicle. The the yeah, the means to an end. And I I, I hope I'm not misquoting at all, but I feel like there there was a line in there where you know, and this is what I worry about. But there was a line that Obadiah says to Tony, like, you know, we, we made this thing to shut hippies up, <laughs> which is like, it, it, is that or can that be a thing? Like we're we're working towards this. And now that we know that it's it's a possibility, are, are we going to fall into that sort of trap? Like, can this this particular vehicle, can this energy be used? for not so good things like I, it's a super noble thing that you speak of giving energy to those communities those villages in africa or, or you know southeast asia that doesn't have access to these things but 
is there a possibility that we can turn around and find some kind of way to to use this for for bad instead of for good i guarantee that the research will start there it always does Uh, gps the atomic bomb everything always starts with conflict everything always starts with war and they called it a, a deterrent okay it's ego boosting at the highest level on this planet but they tend to pour all kinds of resources into it they realize we're not at conflict that requires this level and then they can those resources continue to pour in and these agencies start coming up with your quote-unquote arc reactors or how to utilize it within the grid how can we make our grid more resilient no different than gps how could we use this to our advantage globally and that's how it leaks its way down to the rest of us yes unfortunately the politicians that that we have currently would it would start with war think about this nixon when given the choice to make in front of himself continue the saturn V experiment going to the moon and working on the moon or the shuttle the shuttle could not go to the moon it's a low earth orbit machine and it was three times the price of the saturn V rocket but it offered large payload capabilities and you could put out satellites spy satellites a you know communication satellites so exploration immediately took a back seat. We were no longer able to go to the moon because he eliminated the Saturn V program in favor for this defense device, the shuttle. Yes, science still happened, but it happened closer to home because it was not capable of going beyond it. They, they prioritized the ability to release spy satellites or communication satellites over exploration. I expect that to happen 100% of the time until systems are changed and people in place are leaders and they want to see the future get better other than a financial gain arm wrestling match with between imaginary lines. Got it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, 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 I would assume that uh, hopefully by the time we get to the point that this is, is usable that yes, there is a, a, a change in structure for sure. Um, but that's that's one of those things that I always worry about, man, with, with anything, you know, even even when, uh, you know, Samsung or Google or Apple create something new in, in mobile devices. I'm like, OK, well, this is either already been implemented and used in government for something way different than what we're using it for, or they're going to capture this somehow and use it, you know, for not so good things. So um, in addition to, you know, being able to. Um, you know, provide energies and, and energy capabilities for those who don't have it, though. What else could you see this breakthrough specifically being used for for good, you know, domestically here at home or abroad? How can we utilize this to its um, and I guess it's limitless at some point, but how could we try to utilize this to its fullest potential? Well, and. In- one more thing real quick, and a lot of things that we enjoy right now in our lives, once we're a military application for bad, when you go to the doctor and you're unable to run because of like a knee condition or something, but you need a stress test, the chemical stress test that they give you was developed for torture. 
We just use it now to get your heart running and test it and see how it goes. We give a little caffeine to bring it back down. So almost everything <laughs> starts at a military application. So we can't criticize it too much because that's where the, all the money is. And once it becomes more, we get to use it also. I got you. Now, what does this mean in the long term on sustainability is energy freedom. No more energy poverty. A large chunk of Americans right now pay a bill monthly that is crippling to their finances. A lot of people can't make those payments. Some of those payments are higher than the housing payment they make. Energy is a problem. It's a problem through emissions. It's a problem with if it, through safety and security. Our, our fragile grid, if a squirrel hits the wrong spot, large sections of energy can go out, and we always lose people during that time. We, we live in the Midwest. Energy goes out. Freezing is a thing. Yeah. Okay. When they take these kinds of technologies, not in their infant stages, and we're talking 20, 30 years from now, mixing it with smart devices and smart grids, so that if a squirrel hits a section, maybe a house goes out, but the grid then moves around that dead spot and has redundancies so that people don't lose power anymore. It's safer. We're not worried about meltdowns. I know it sounds funny when I say that because you're making a sun, but you're not. You're creating a, a chemical reaction, no different than when you show kids what Mentos does. Actually, you know what? I just used the wrong thing. Mentos and Coke, by the way, is a physical reaction, not a chemical reaction. But you know what I meant. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You can I Google love, it. You can no, Google it. I love the fact that you went, hold on. That's not that's not the right example because <laughs> I'm not dealing with some sort of troll calling me out. Like, that's not the same type of reaction. I, you I know what? I'll call, you I am to, I love perfectly it. fine calling myself out. <laughs> So what, what type of reaction would you compare this to? Like if you took raw potassium or raw sodium, which is a metal, by the way, that you can get on eBay. It's, you know, you can cut it with a butter knife and you took that and you threw it in water. If you take a small piece of potassium, uh, potassium metal, preferably make sure you pick it up with tweezers. It's reactive to oxygen. So if you just leave it in the air long enough, the oil that surrounds it starts to kind of dry out or move around and leave exposed areas, it will catch on fire. So if you throw it in water, it pops and catches on fire. That chemical reaction is a release of energy because you have these atoms changing the composition of what is there. It releases some of its energy. That's what this is, is we're compressing these atoms, getting them to really get along, make a new friend, become helium, and whatever that little electron that comes off is, we capture. So this is a much safer concept than anything else, any crude device that we've had before. Even solar panels and wind turbines, you know this because you know people sponsored by fossil fuels always like to point out the negatives. There's still parts of wind turbines that are not really recyclable. There are still problems with recycling solar panels and the photovoltaic cells. Not to say we won't solve that problem, but it's still a problem today. If you know, 30 to 50 years, this thing is scalable and creates a large amount of, of energy, the, the level of freedom 
it offers this whole planet is 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 astounding. I hope that before I die sometime, I get to see where energy is no longer a way to control people. It is no longer a device to extract wealth, that it is just simply there to improve the lives of the communities it's in. Because this is a, an item that could do that. This is. It, we're looking at a, a truly generational breakthrough. Yeah, and again, doesn't mean we stop what we're doing because the act of learning is very important. So even with tidal and wind and solar, you learn so much through those processes that if there's applications this doesn't serve, these other ones may. We don't just stop and go, okay, we're waiting for them because just the act of learning makes humanity better. Just the, we talk about sustainability. I say, as long as you're thinking about it, you will always make better decisions. Same thing applies. We continue to learn just in case there's applications that this doesn't fit into. So we can keep people from going, well, it does 60%. We're going to burn random trash and oil to make up the difference. No, we have other options. So in your, in your mind specifically, um, we know that it's, it's going to take a while before this is actually implemented and before it is, it is fully usable. Um, is there a next big breakthrough or is this kind of the end all be all to any sort of energy crisis that we have faced or could face in the future? No, there's there's definitely other milestones that we that we have to wait for. Yes, they were able to put in less than what they got out. We don't know what that measurement is. We don't know if it's scalable and we don't know if you can capture it. So that's why I tell people like, okay, let's not drop the ball on everything else because although this is still the coolest fantasy I can think of on the energy side, it's still way down the road. There's still a lot of things that have to be discovered. Now, the good part about this is, is all those people who quit working on fusion over the last 30 years, they'll be back. All these universities, everybody's going to jump back into the fusion game, look for their niche and figure it out. You know, when it took so long, people started dropping out of the field. Now that's going to re revitalize science in that field and bring all the all of these extremely intelligent individuals back into fission mm -hmm. i'm sorry not fission fusion 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 and we will move quicker but it's not soon and there's still a lot of milestones that we have to manage to in a sense invent but remember everything's impossible until it happens and now fusion happened so we will continue to build better systems. We will continue to learn how to manage energy and distribute it in a more efficient way while they are working on changing the world of sources. Which is, is brilliant. I, I love that. And another question that just came to mind, and, and I think I think this might be my last question, maybe. We'll see. Because when you get going, I'm like, oh, well, I wonder how this works then. Well, what what industry specifically do you think would benefit the most from this breakthrough this breakthrough in fusion 
I believe it eliminates an industry. I believe energy distribution or creation, sorry, I always say creation. There is no energy creation. Energy conversion and distribution becomes a different kind of business. It becomes a delivery system and not a conversion system. So you're going to, if this works at the scale it needs to, there'll be a big fight because people, you know, hate change, but it won't be a cost anymore to convert energy. The cost will then be shifted over to management systems and distribution. Now it's going to be up to humanity to decide if that is a public utility that each state or federal government creates so that it becomes a uniform system that everybody just has, or if they are hell-bent on keeping these companies alive and say, okay, you're no longer being paid to burn things, you're just being paid to distribute it, and here's the flat rate everybody pays to be on the system. So I'm not sure I would call it a benefit to the company, but I believe it's the benefit to humanity that it becomes the main source of the energy grid and then becomes how we get energy and how we use our energy because you're not going to have contamination at the site that is being or being converted this is the kind of energy that okay if we let's say we had electric cars you can charge and not no longer worry about the emissions at the plant like we do today you still have the dirty battery but you've we've eliminated part of the problem Or better yet, that system just creates hydrogen and our vehicles run on a hydrogen fuel cell. And so it can benefit any industry that embraces it, I guess is probably the best way to answer that question because many fight just to fight because change is bad and they make a lot of money today and they're afraid that they're not good enough to make a lot of money in this change. The ones who embrace it win because their energy cost all but disappears. And then the other ones can't compete. So if you wanna say which industry, all of them that choose to embrace a functioning fusion system. Basically everybody. If, well, no, there's always a Sears model out there somewhere. Someone, <laughs> someone will refuse and they will fall to the wayside. They will be very sense. Kmart-ish. Yes, Kmart, Sears. Yeah, which is sad. I have very fond memories of both of those places. So, what what's um what's your ultimate hope? What 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 is Mike hoping that we accomplish once this is implemented, or even along the way? Are there any other major? And I know you kind of just touched on it a little bit, but are there any other major discoveries that you're hoping? come across by, by way of, of this this breakthrough infusion is there any specific implementation that you yourself would like to see well when you're talking about what will be discovered in the in the work that it takes to make fusion useful i don't think i can anticipate i'm not in that industry enough to know what are the amazing things that will come from these individuals work because they what they do is they run into a problem they solve that problem this problem that they solve might be the the new way we cook food. You know, they come up with these am, amazing resolutions to to issues in their testing that have, that translate into amazing things. We can see that through NASA spinoffs. You know, they need to track heart rates in space. Next thing you know, every hospital has a way to track a heart rate. 
you know, we want to make sure that people's feet are comfortable when they're moving in space and when they step on different things. And next thing you know, you have rubber tennis tennis shoe sold shoes. This, you would be shocked by the amount of different things that we get through the act of learning. So I can't even anticipate. What I do want to see is now that we have a end result that might be the future of energy, that we get off our butt and fix the grid. We start working on these smart grid systems that allow us to not lose power during some of the most vulnerable points in human life. In the Midwest, major snowstorms, hurricanes in the Southeast, stuff like that. We have to start working on uh, smart microgrids so that they can move energy from space to space when there's a failure and reduce the amount of people exposed because humanity is now accustomed to electricity. You wipe electricity off, you're going to lose a large chunk of humanity. And that's not acceptable because we have the technology. We just have to have the will. As we get into these stronger energy sources, these better, cleaner ways of doing things, we have to have a robust delivery system. I believe that just like at MIT, they're working on a wireless transmission system where right now they're able to piggyback electricity like you once plugged your phone into the wall just with the phone cable, but it it transferred a little electricity to make that phone work. They're doing it through Wi-Fi so that your phone charges every time you're on a Wi-Fi connection. Soon you'll have abundant clean energy and wireless connection. So if I want a new technology to bridge that gap, wireless connection is that that technology. Then you don't need as big of batteries because you're always at full charge. It becomes a capacitor-like system. The biggest thing that has to happen, and if you're a voter out there and someone says they want to reform the energy grid, give them their check as long as they're not a hideous human because this has to change. This infrastructure has to be upgraded. Because when it fails, it really, truly hurts the citizens. And it's almost exclusively the most vulnerable. That's interesting. And it's, it's almost like the people, <laughs> the people that need it most are the ones who don't readily have access to it. Yeah, the, you're going to see elderly that don't have these generators in their home to back up the house when the power goes out. I think we've seen... Almost every year during major snowstorms, power going out and hearing about someone passing in their sleep. That shouldn't be a thing anymore. Or when the power goes out, quite often the suburbs of Flint are then restored long before the north end of Flint. They're prioritizing individuals before others, where these smart systems can shift the energy to different parts of the grid, keeping large sections still functioning, where our repairmen only have to repair small sections. There's ways of doing it. They just have to have an appetite and the empathy to do so. Which is, is, is awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to it myself. I mean, I know, again, we are still like a super long way away But just the mere thought of, you know, something of this scale being readily available at some point, hopefully within my uh, either one of our lifetimes, honestly, would would be it would be a thing to to see. Well, and don't get me wrong. Yes, it's a checkbox for sustainability. Long term energy sustainability is a top tier concern in the sustainability world. But you never stop working on it. You never stop making things more efficient. You never stop making the products more efficient. 
We want to have an abundance of energy, but use very little. And sustainability. Sustainability takes forever, but it's kind of the point that we get to do it forever, that our mistakes in science don't eliminate us from the food chain or others. So the concept is, is we always learn. We always get better. We always find these efficiencies. This is just a big deal, but just because we have unlimited doesn't mean we waste. That makes perfect. And waste is one of our biggest issues right now. Waste, it doesn't matter if it's plastic, it doesn't matter if it's energy, or it doesn't matter if it's your time. It's still waste. And in sustainability, you're constantly looking for efficiencies to remove or reduce all waste. So even though this is amazing, this is the coolest thing we've seen in a long time, it kind of brings the comic books to life. It is not the end-all, be-all. There is no end result. We can make things better, or we can do what we do today. So in sustainability, I want to make sure that the mindset is, yay, we can make it better. We can always make it better for more people everywhere. And that is that is a locked-in mindset. So I think that's all we have for today. Unless you have anything else, I think we've covered at least the basic concepts of fusion hopefully some of you have a better idea of why a bunch of nerds were running around a room and cheering when they uh, released this information and keep in mind yes you will start when you see the attacks against it then you will know it's starting to work when you see other companies kind of flipping the bill for people to attack fusion then we know that it's functional and it threatens other industries so keep an eye on it keep learning about it, but it should be a great way for most of us to have some energy freedoms. So thank you all for listening. We greatly appreciate it. If you like this episode, share it with a friend or on social media. If you want to help out realistic sustainability, five-star reviews, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. For some reason, they are the king poobah of all review status. So when you put them there, it makes us look fancy and cool. And I like to read them because you guys know I talk about them during the shows. It just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. If you think that realistic sustainability brings value to your life and you'd like to help us out financially, just go to greeningyourlife.org forward slash podcast. And there is where you can sign up to donate maybe 99 cents a month, $4.99 or even $9.99. And for those of you who already do that, thank you so very much. It makes me feel like we're doing something worth doing at times. And for those of you who have sent comments that I haven't responded to, I promise I will get to those. I've fallen a little behind, so I will get to those soon. And before we close the show, Mr. Bogan, curated culture, pitch it. They're going to need some socials. Do your thing. Yes, indeed. So before I get into the socials, man, I want to once again say thank you very much for having me on. My brain is officially mush from all of this uh, a, you know, low and high level learning. So thank you for all that you do in terms of taking this, this high level information and condensing it down for the people and, and making it easy to understand. I appreciate that tremendously. Uh, in terms of me, I am Rob Bogan, aka Robbie Diesel, and you can catch me on the Curated Culture, curatedculture.com, at the Curated Culture on Facebook and Instagram, underscore Curated Culture on Twitter. Uh, you can search my podcast as well, where we basically talk about a lot more lowbrow things than what Mike talks about on here. 
But if you want to know why I sometimes think Elon Musk can be a scumbag, check out that podcast because that's what those are the things I talk about. Um, Decurity Culture is the name of the podcast. We're available virtually everywhere podcasts are served. So um, definitely there. And then if you want to follow me personally, I am at Robbie Diesel all over the web. So uh, that is me and, and my business interests. And uh, again, Mike, I appreciate you for having me on. And this, this is always, always, always fun and fantastic to do. See, and I'm just happy we got into a conversation about energy distribution and you didn't even try to make me mad. So we're good. No, no, no. The next time we talk about water, though, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all very much for tuning in and spending your time with us. Remember, we only do this each week to get a little bit better. A little bit, a little bit, big bit. I'm Mike. I'm Rob. And at least I'll see you next week.